0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Dorkson. Brother Paul and I were up here reminiscing. Each verse of that song uh, is very real. If you ever get the chance to go to Israel, it will change your life. It's an incredible, incredible experience. And Paul and I were talking about that verse about Gethsemane. and We have a picture. I took a picture of Paul standing there in the Garden of Gethsemane overlooking the city. And it's amazing to think that we stood right where Jesus stood and those olive trees are some of them over 2000 years old and so the to think that they were there when Christ was there we went to Caiaphas's hall and those steps are still there there's some that are there that they believe are well over 2000 years old those steps that come down from Caiaphas's house into the city where Jesus would have been taken out of the prison cell there we stood in the cell underneath the house of Caiaphas it was just essentially a stone pit And there we stood as a group and sang uh, about Christ and and just an incredible experience. If you ever get the chance to go, I would encourage you to take advantage of it and it'll change your life. It'll change your thinking to stand and look at that rock face called uh, Golgotha to see the place of the skull. And the Bible says, and in that place was a little garden and literally you're standing in that little garden as you look at Golgotha. And in that garden was a tomb, and you turn around and through the olive trees and over the little bit of a hill, you can see the tomb. But it's empty. He is not here, for he is risen. What what an experience. And I appreciate I've enjoyed that song for many years, but it means so much more now that we can picture those things that Brother Dorkson is singing about. John chapter three this morning. John chapter three, Jesus, the divine teacher. It's been my habit to study my message and work on it throughout the week a little bit, but I normally don't put a lot down on paper until Sunday morning, because so much changes in your heart and mind, and, and so I, I've come over here this morning, I was here around 7 a.m., and I begin to just put my thoughts down, and by 8, 8 a.m. I was about ready and had it all together, and And I came out here, and I was talking to the bus workers, and I was getting ready for service, and we had our uh, choir practice and all the rest. And finally, I went back to my office to hit the print button, and my computer had shut down. It was gone. Everything. So pray for me. All right? I scrambled in about 20 minutes and put down, but you know, the Lord had filled my heart this week, and we've been studying all week, and so, but pray that I'll have a good memory. John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named... Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do those miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Can we read that verse again? Let's just start in verse 1 again. Just read those two verses. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Let's pray this morning. Father, we ask, Lord, for your Spirit's presence to teach us and to guide us. And Father, we've sang this morning songs about the Lord's guiding and leading in our lives. We've Saying, guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Pilgrim in this weary land. And we are truly just pilgrims passing through. We've sang, he leadeth me, O blessed thought. And thank Lord finally we sang, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. But Jesus only leads us through the word of God. Through his divine teaching. So many today will read and hear the teachings of Christ, but are we obeying God today? So Father, we pray that you'd help us in the next few minutes to establish the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ as preacher and teacher of the Word of God, that we might take what He teaches us throughout the rest of the Word and apply it to our lives. Father, fill me with your spirit, I need your help this morning, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. In this day and age that we live, there is a void of truth, perceived truth has become whatever we feel is right. I read an article this last week that, in not so many words, Hillary Clinton said that the religious crowd has to change their beliefs in order to make access to abortion more available. Are you kidding me? Murder's still murder. It's still sin, it's still an abomination to God. I, I heard uh, recently another article that was written just a couple years ago, but it is being pushed by some liberal people that now, if a child is born with Down syndrome or some health defect in their life, that up till the age of four, this lobbyist group is pushing that you can euthanize them after they are born. Wickedness. Now, we should not be surprised. The Bible says that we'll call evil good and good evil. That's the day in which we live. I believe it is a sign of our soon coming Lord. We have really gone back to those days when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's the day that we live in. The world does not like to believe for even one moment that there is absolute truth. That there is right and wrong. As a matter of fact, we can open up the Bible today and we can turn it to a passage that says, Thou shalt not kill. And they will say, well, that's just your interpretation of it. People will say, well, you, you can think that, that you're going to heaven because you believed in Jesus Christ. And, and maybe that's your interpretation of the Bible. But I have a, a different interpretation. And how can we trust those old King James Bible words anyway? And I read in First John chapter 5, verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I don't know if you noticed, but they're all one-syllable words. None of them are all that very difficult to understand, and I don't believe that you could misinterpret that either you have the Son or you don't have the Son, and if you have the sun, you have life, but if you don't have the sun, you have not life, and yet the liberal crowd will say, well, that's your interpretation of it. There's no such thing as absolute truth and your truth might be different than somebody else's truth and your beliefs, listen, we only have one truth. It is not my opinion or your opinion that matters. It's the Word of God that we hold supreme. It is our only rule for faith and practice. Years ago, I went to an ordination service and at the ordination service there was several pastors there and they were questioning this young man and I, I didn't understand... I was only about 26 years old, and I didn't understand that some of these preachers had a little bit different ideas about certain things, I guess, and one preacher kept questioning a fella, and he kept asking him about his Baptist history, and he began to ask him about the books that he read, and the biographies that he read, and he says, well, you know, when I baptize the way I do, I like to know uh, that that so-and-so baptized that way, and -and so-and-so baptized that way, and I like to know where our baptism came from, and how we can trace that throughout history. I thought, isn't that odd? Isn't the Bible our only rule for faith and practice? And I didn't know that he believed in a, a doctrine called landmarkism, which believes that you have to be baptized by somebody who was baptized by a Baptist who was baptized by a Baptist all the way back to Jesus Christ, that you have to be able to prove that line. And so they wanted to know that, that this, this guy baptized by immersion and this guy, and they wanted all the history, and I, I put up my hand and I said, well, I said, you know, I said, understand, I'm completely naive, and I didn't know. And I said, you know, I said, I, I enjoy biographies. I said, I, I've read Spurgeon's and Dill Moody's, and I enjoy those biographies, and I've read those books, and I said, but I said, isn't the Bible our only rule for faith and practice? And don't we baptize by water immersion? Because the Bible says so. Who cares what everybody else did? Let's just obey the Bible. And the preacher snickered and got angry with me. He says, Well, I hope you like history. He says, Two thirds of the Bible is history, and we ought to believe in history, and we ought to study history. And I said, The difference is that's inspired history. That was written by God, not some biographer or some story. And next thing I know, Lindsey Gatto was sitting beside me, and he begins to elbow me, and he goes, He's a landmarkist. He's a landmarkist. Be careful. And the guy began, I realized right away, And he said this, he went on, and he was kind of, now he wasn't worried about the guy on the platform, he was just trying to set me straight. And he says, well, the first thing I do when I go into a man's office is, is I look at the books in his library, and it tells me what kind of Baptist he is. I said, if you walked into my library and the only book was the King James Bible, does that make me a better Baptist or a worse Baptist? Oh, my word. He tore me up. And I couldn't understand. Isn't the Bible our authority? If I am stranded on a desert island, I can only have one book. I want the Word of God, not all those biographies. Right, right. That is our authority, and that is what we hold true. People don't like that today. Not even a lot of churches, not even a lot of Baptists. They'll hold their constitution higher than the Bible. I told the deacons, and the deacons agreed with me when we were going through the whole Constitution thing. I said, guys, I said if we ever read the Bible and find out that something's different, we're going with the Bible. I don't care if everybody in the church voted 100% on a new Constitution. We are not going to follow it if it disobeys the Bible. And we agreed to that. The Bible is our supreme authority. That is what God has given us. We are to obey it. Now, it is true that God has given us great liberty, and that's what people love that word, don't they? Well, we have liberty as Christians. You have liberty within the guardrails of truth. Do you understand? You have liberty within the guardrails of truth. When I was a little boy, my parents had a fence outside the side of the house, didn't we, Mom? Just a little fenced-in area, and we could just go out the side door of the house, and we could play in that little fenced area. And I had liberty to do whatever I wanted as long as I stayed in that fence and we did. We we got it's amazing how much trouble you can get in inside the fence. But we did. We managed. But my mother understood that we couldn't just wander out into the road. The steel workers come flying out of there at shift change 100 miles an hour and it was a dangerous place and so she they put up this little fence and said you can play out there all you want in that area. But stay there. So many people say, "Well, that's 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 legalism and that's a fence that's been placed around us and we don't like the the rules of God's word because, no, listen, they're not there to constrain you, they're there to protect you. It's a guardrail. You have liberty within that guardrailing, but God has given us some absolute truth. Jesus was very clear when he said this, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you there's freedom in truth there's liberty in truth and knowing what God wants for us Jesus Christ came to preach the truth well we read in John chapter 3 there was a fellow by the name of Nicodemus he was a ruler of the Jews he came to the Lord Jesus Christ by night and I don't believe he came on his own volition because he says this unto them in verse 2 rabbi we know there were others like him There were other Pharisees who had seen, there were other rulers of the Jews that knew that Jesus Christ was a man sent from God. For no one else can do these miracles unless he comes from God. And Nicodemus came and presented himself and he was wondering, is he the Messiah? Is he the promised one? So he starts with a flattery, he says, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. I believe that Nicodemus was sincerely seeking. He believed that he was what he was saying, that Jesus was rabbi, he was a teacher that had come from God. There are some important fundamentals I want you to see this morning as we think about Jesus, the divine teacher. I want you to notice, first of all, his authority was recognized. It was something that people could easily see that Jesus Christ wasn't just speaking as one of the scribes and the Pharisees, as it says in another passage, but he spoke with one as having authority. There's another word in the Bible, the word power. It's very much the same word. If God gives you authority or God gives you power, it's the very same thing. God is wanting you to go forward and do something for Him. So He's placing power or authority and His recognition upon your life. And we see very clearly that Jesus Christ's authority was recognized. It says, uh, Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Look at the next three words. Come from God. Hey, that's where the authority comes from. I'm discouraged today by what we see and hear in the news. Uh, in the last couple days, the Supreme Court of the United States was meeting to discuss homosexual marriage. They were supposed to come up with a decision, but I don't believe they ever did. We cannot, I can't find record of it. Maybe they have, and I just it's been downplayed. I don't know. But you know, it was 10 or 12 years ago that happened in Canada as well. They, believe, they decided that they were going to go ahead and make homosexual marriage legal. It's been a long time now. And I remember going to church on that Sunday and coming in and somebody said, Preacher, what do you think about this this, this homosexual marriage? And what do you think about that? They've legalized all this. I said, it makes no difference to me. The Bible has not changed. God hasn't changed His opinion on it. God has not gone back and said, well, you know, Canada's upset about this. Maybe I better take on my pen and rewrite the Word of God. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. We need to understand that there is an absolute authority. And that Jesus Christ was recognized as the authority of God. He was sent from God. Now I'm trying to establish something here this morning as as a divine teacher. And we'll get to this in the conclusion. But if Jesus Christ is sent from God with the authority of God. Don't you think we ought to listen to him? Don't you think we ought to obey? You know there's. In a few weeks, we're going to have a wedding here. Matt and Jocelyn are getting married. And at the end of the service, the preacher stands up at every wedding and says, by the authority vested in me by the province of Ontario, I now pronounce you man and wife. Here's the truth about this. Here's what I learned. and I had to read the Marriage Act and sign that I would follow it and all these things. Do you know that for their marriage to be legal... Literally, they can come up here and stand before two witnesses. Nobody has to be out there. It can be an empty room. They have to have two witnesses. That's all. And the only thing that has to be said at the wedding to make it legal is by the authority vested in me by the province of Ontario I now pronounce you man and wife. There doesn't have to be a scripture reading. There doesn't have to be a message. There doesn't have to be a special song. There doesn't even have to be vows. All there has to be is somebody that pronounces the man and wife that has vested authority, and then they have to sign the legal document. Literally, guys, this is good news for you. You can be married in about two and a half minutes. Amen? All the men would understand what I'm talking about. Ladies like, well, why would you want to do that? It's a special day. Yeah, you understand me. Fellas know what I'm talking about. That's all that has to happen. And they're not getting married because of anything that I can do special for them. There's no special power that I have. The authority has come from somewhere else. The authority has been given by God first, and secondly by the province of Ontario to solemnize that marriage. The Lord Jesus Christ had power from God. The authority was given to Him from God. We ought to listen to it. We ought to obey it. There are some today that like to bypass authority, don't they? They say, well, we'll just go live together. We don't need some preacher. We don't need a justice of the peace. We don't need any authority from the province of Ontario. We'll just go ahead and live together. We'll just bypass that. That's not marriage. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. God has placed authority in our lives and we are to obey it. Romans chapter 13, there's a whole chapter about obeying the authorities that God has placed in our lives. And friends, Jesus Christ is the supreme authority because he came straight from heaven to bring us a message. His authority was recognized and I believe it needs to be recognized again today. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, Jesus said this He came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven. And in earth, God gave him authority. John chapter 20, he then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Christ was given authority to come. Nicodemus came and recognized the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, that makes the job that Jesus had so much easier. He didn't have to fool around, now he can just say, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. Because he recognized him as the authority, he knew Nicodemus was going to listen. Look, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. On Wednesday nights, we've started a series in the book of Hebrews. and I'm going to give you my message from Wednesday night in a nutshell. Very quickly. But Hebrews chapter 1 talks about the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what the Bible says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels. As he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than thee. The Bible says that God always had a plan to communicate with mankind. It says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. The Bible talks about not only the prophets, but in diverse manners. I remember a donkey speaking. I I remember a burning bush speaking, God speaking through a burning bush. And we remember prophets and judges and priests and kings that would speak as the spokesperson of God. But the Bible says in verse 2 Hath in these last days, God hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Whom he hath appointed. Now look at the qualifications of his son. And by the way, the, the important thing is here, whom he hath appointed. God chose Jesus. He ordained him with authority. He says he appointed him, and who was he? He was heir of all things. Everything belongs to God. Just the other day. Brother McPherson and I got to go to the Strides, some of you have met the Stride family, I don't know if they're here this morning, they're, they'll probably be here tonight, they've been coming to church about one service a week for the last several weeks, and come we talked to them, they want to they, they become a part of our church, and they're, they're excited about coming, and, and, but one thing that happened on Friday was they became Canadian citizens. And so we got to go down and watch that, and that was that was kind of that was kind of exciting. And we I'd never been to anything like that before, and so we enjoyed that. And we were talking after, and I can't remember how it came up, but we got talking about the earth and some of the things that the justice of the peace was saying about the earth, and 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 the, how beautiful Canada was, and talking about all those things. And Paul leaned over to me and he says, "Isn't that something?" He says, "How beautiful Canada is." And they explained and Diane Finley talked about mountains of BC all the way to the ocean water, and she talked about all points in between and how beautiful. Was and Brother McPherson made the observation. Isn't it interesting that it's so beautiful and yet it's only God's footstool? Isn't that something? All that God has given us is just simply His footstool. It was just God spoke and it became. God has given us so much, and the Bible says He is heir of all things and He is the creator of this world. The Bible says in verse 2 By whom also He made the worlds. By Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory. On Wednesday night, I can't take the time, you might remember, we talked about the glory of God, and all those that came in contact with the glory of God, their face shone like an angel. The Bible says that Jesus is the brightest parts of that glory. He is the brightness of the glory. That's who Jesus is. The Bible goes on to say, not only is he the brightness of his glory, he is the express Image of his person in verse 3. Express means a precise reproduction in every respect. Thomas says, Show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And he says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We look unto Jesus and we see God. He is the express image of his person. The Bible says, He upholding all things by the word of his power. He is the sustainer of this world. Hey, don't worry about global warming, worry about who's in control. God is still on his throne. I, you know well, the water temperature's gone up half a degree, and an iceberg has melted and a polar bear is stuck on a floating piece of ice. Who cares? God's in control. That ought to be the question we're asking. Who's in charge of all this? God is. And he'll take care of it. I got thinking a few years ago, there, uh, what's, what's the fellow in the States uh, that, that thinks he invented global warming? Who? Al Gore, right, yeah. And he was saying, well, we have found tools laying on the ground, he says, where there used to be glacier ice. And he says, now they're revealed because the ice has receded so much, we're finding homes and, and tools from, from cavemen, they called them. And I thought, isn't that something? Because years ago, that means those guys are standing there going, what about this global cooling Isn't it true? They were living right where the ice came. It was just the opposite. Hey, God is in control. Don't worry about it. He is the sustainer of this world. He holds all things up by his power. Then here's something that's exciting. When he had by himself purged our sins, he is the purger of your sins. You want to know who this authority has been given to? It's somebody who died for you. If somebody came, he, he created the world, he sustains the world, he's heir of everything. This world is his footstool. He's the express image of God. He is the purger of our sins. And the Bible says he's the one that is seated in the right hand of the majesty on high. That's who Jesus is. I want you to notice that Nicodemus recognized that authority, but I want you to notice secondly, not only do we see his authority recognized, we see his authority realized. Now there's a difference here. To recognize something means we can see it, and we can recognize the outward appearance of it. And so, years ago, I was thinking, we were just talking about this this week, when Bethany was just little, she was born, of course, with an eye condition, and so we were going to an eye doctor all the time, just always going to an eye specialist, and when they're real little, when they're just, you know, two years old and three years old, they don't use letters, they assume they can't read, so they put up little pictures. So there's a little picture of a cat and a little picture of a house, and then those get a little bit smaller, and there's all these little things. And it was her job to recognize what they were. Now, the eye doctor wasn't all that kind, because Bethany's about three years old, and she's already started homeschooling, and she knew what a cat looked like. Come on. She knew what a house looked like. She knew what a ball looked like. And she'd point, he'd point to the things, and he'd say, What are the... Oh, I can't see it. What is... I don't, and she didn't know any of them. And the doctor says, wow, she just doesn't know what it is. She's just, not, she's just not there yet. I said, no, no, she knows what those things are. Nope, nope, she doesn't know. We took her to a doctor a couple weeks later for a second opinion, and the doctor, he looked in her eye, and literally when he looked in, he jumped back. And he says, wow, is she walking into things? He says, she has an astigmatism so bad that things must look like they're crooked to her, and she could easily walk into a doorpost or something because it's not... The perspective is all off. And I said, we just went to a specialist two weeks ago that said there was nothing wrong. He says he should lose his license. I said, well, she, he said, and he used this word, she just doesn't know how to recognize those things. He pulled out the same picture book and he put it right in her lap and she knew all of them. House, ball, cat. But to recognize means to be able to see things and understand what they look like. To realize... Something means to grasp and understand it fully. In other words, not only would Bethany be able to look and see uh, if it was a train, for example, she could say, well, that's a choo-choo train. But to understand it or to realize what it is, she would have to have the concept and understanding, well, a train is something that is fueled by coal maybe in the old days and it would chug along on train tracks and people could get in on it and ride it and understand the entire function of it. The difference here is the difference between a head knowledge and a heart knowledge, I believe that Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus Christ with a head knowledge. He recognized he was a great teacher that was sent from God. He recognized that there was something special about him. But I want you to notice that I believe at the end of his confrontation, he realized who Jesus Christ was to him personally. In John chapter 7, turn there if you will, in John chapter 7, we see Nicodemus again. We don't see him a whole lot in the Bible We read that the Pharisees were angered that people followed Jesus Christ. In verse 45, the Bible says, Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees. And they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? Here's what the the officers answered in verse 46. Never man spake like this man. Wow. They recognized his authority. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Now understand what they're saying here. The Pharisees are saying Jesus Christ is trying to turn people away from the law. And if he turns people away from the law, they're going to be cursed. So he says people that don't know the law, they're going to be cursed. And so that to them that was something that was worthy of punishment. Nicodemus in verse 50 saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and knoweth what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. Nicodemus began to defend the Lord Jesus Christ. We see not only did Nicodemus recognize who Jesus was, but he became to the realization in his heart, that I must accept him personally. You say, is that enough proof? Well, maybe not. So turn to John chapter 19, or I'll just share it with you. Later in John chapter 19, we read that there were some that were coming to the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ to anoint his body, and guess who else was there? Nicodemus. And in case you might want to say, well, you know, maybe this is a different Nicodemus. The Bible says, the same which cometh to him by night. Nicodemus trusted Jesus Christ. Yes, he still served as a Pharisee, but he served as that inner circle. There was another one. There were many more. That, Jesus, that Nicodemus said, We believe that thou art a teacher sent from God. For no man doeth these miracles, except God be with him. And from inside, Nicodemus stood up for the Lord Jesus Christ, and at the end of his life, he came out. And he tried to anoint his body. I think it's like this. I spent four years in the United States. From 1990 to 94. I went to college in Springfield, Missouri. And while I was there, there was lots of different things that went on. There was graduations and there was special days and of course there was there was President's Day in February and all these American holidays where they would raise a flag and they would sing the national anthem. While I was in college I remember President Nixon passed away and, and when President Nixon died they had a special service to, in, in his honor and they had some prayer time for his family and such and we sang the national anthem and, and I remember that there was some that came to that specific service. We had some men that were in the army reserves and such and they came and they, they they took off their hats and they came in full uniform. I remember sending young men off uh, to Desert Storm in, uh, in spring of 1991, and we had a special chapel service, and, and 10 or 11 young men and women got up before the chapel service, and we honored them, and we prayed over them, and they were all in their different branches of the military uniforms. And they would take off their hats and they would stand at attention at that flag, and the people in the room would put their hand over their heart. And I remember out of respect for that flag and what it symbolized and respect for those that were there that were with me who were Americans, that I would sing along. Oh say can you see, and I know all the words today because of that time spent there. But there's one thing I did not do, if I had a ball cap on, if we were at a ball game or something, or sometimes the college would have a football game, we would take our hats off and we would respect the flag, but I didn't put my hand over my heart. That was something that was very personal for those people. That was something that they were giving their hearts to the patriotism of their country and they were supporting that. And so though I recognized the symbolism and though I recognized what the stars and stripes meant, I never realized it for myself because I was not a part of that country. I was a visitor. There's a lot of people today that recognize who Jesus is. But because they choose to live for self, have not realized him in their hearts. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus Christ by night because he recognized something about him and he wanted some answers. And Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He says, he says verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must be born again. Boy, we don't like being told what to do. But I believe that Nicodemus didn't just recognize, he realized that this is what I need in my life. Let me ask you, maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you've recognized, hey, Jesus was a good man. And Jesus was a good teacher. And Jesus was a good prophet. And, but you start to see from the scriptures that Jesus actually had the authority of God. And everything he said was true. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. We must obey the word of God, for it has authority. Turn to John chapter three if you will. Because of this authority, I want you to notice what Christ impressed upon the life of Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him in verse three, Verily, verily, that means truly, truly. What I'm about to say is a truth. I. Say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Verse 7 says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only Begotten Son of God, you can say, Boy, that's narrow-minded. No, that's truth. Do you know that the truth always makes everything else a lie? Did you know that? Uh, we we tease Austin a little bit sometimes. And uh, he's last night my wife says, Do you see that cardinal up in the tree? Well, he's colorblind, so it looks like a bluebird, you know. And, and so one time when he was little, though, my wife said, Austin, go pick. Up that green step stool. I need that green step stool. Can you go get that? He's only about four years old. And he's gone for the longest time, about 45 minutes. And he comes back and he's got his head down. And he's just feeling terrible. He says, Mom, I couldn't find that green step stool, but I got this brown one. I hope it's okay. It was the green one. But he just couldn't tell the difference. But you know, some people, you can say black is black and they'll say, No, it's white. Hey, truth is truth. And everything else is a lie. Don't get caught up in it. Well, Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the truth. You can say you're narrow-minded. I don't care. It's right. But here's the thing. It's not my opinion. It's the Bible, the word of God, sent from heaven. We need to obey it. Turn if you will to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew, I'm running out of time. Let me paraphrase. How many of you know the, the little song, The wise man built his house upon the rock? Do you know that comes from Matthew chapter 7? The Bible talks about the wise and the foolish man. and The Bible says, He that heareth these sayings of mine and what? Doeth them. God likened to a man who built his house upon the rock, and when the storms came and the floods beat the Haman upon his house, the house stood. Because it had the foundation of obeying. Not just hearing, but obeying the word of God. He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. It is like to a man that built his house upon the sand, and when the floods come and the storms come and they beat vehement upon the house, it is washed away. Because there is no foundation. We need to be not just hearers of the word of God, but doers also. Why? Because it is God's word. Jesus Christ is the divine teacher and comes with much authority. I want you to notice lastly this morning, we've talked about his authority recognized by Nicodemus. His authority was Not only recognized but realized in his life, but I want you to know that his authority is revealed to us as well. His authority was revealed in his message. Do you remember those verses we read in John chapter 3? The authority with which Christ spoke, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Even the scribes and the Pharisees stood back and they thought, Wow, he speaks as one that has authority. Not as the scribes and the Pharisees. There was something different about the Lord Jesus Christ and it was revealed in all of his messages. He, said, except, or he says, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. There's none of this wishy-washy, well, I'm going to try to come back and I'm going to try to make this right. And I'm going to try to take you home with me. No, I will come again. You can trust him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man. He didn't say there's lots of ways. He spoke with authority. In Matthew chapter 9, I'll turn there very quickly. You give me two more minutes and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says in verse 1, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, and they behold, they brought him to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth, and Jesus, knowing their thoughts, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk? but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine own house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude sought, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. You understand that word power is very similar to the word authority. God has given authority, and he has given power to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus authority was revealed in his message. It was revealed in his motives. Jesus came not to seek his own. The Bible says he came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus risked life and limb because he says, I must needs go through Samaria. That wasn't a safe journey. And yet Jesus Christ went because he had an appointment with a woman at the well. Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem. And Peter said, thou will not go. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God. Jesus was concerned for the lost he came to seek and to save that which was lost. It was revealed in his mission. In John chapter 5, turn back to the book of John this morning and we're just about finished. In John chapter 5, look at some of these verses that describe the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Look at verse 36. But I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father hath given me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Uh, Again and again we see in the scriptures Jesus saying, God has sent me. Look at verse 43, the same chapter. I am come in my Father's name. And ye receive me not, if another shall come in his own name, him will ye receive. Look at John chapter 6. Just turn over a page to verse 39. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Look at verse 44. No man come to me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him. Again, God has sent him. Verse 57. As the living Father hath sent me, And I live by the Father, so he that eateth eateth me, even shall he live by me. Chapter 7 and verse 29. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Jesus Christ has revealed his authority in his motives, his mission, and his message. Years ago, the police of the island of Samoa were not allowed to carry guns. It was such a peaceful nation. If they did have a problem, they'd have a, a billy stick or something like that. But they weren't allowed to carry guns. And as their job became more increasingly difficult and more dangerous, they began to suggest, some of the officers began to suggest, well, maybe we should start carrying guns. The commissioner was trying his best to keep guns off the island. And so he said, well, let's do this for a while. Any police officer that can grow a mustache will be given an extra dollar a month pay. That was a long time ago. Because the appearance with a mustache gives you more authority. Friends, authority doesn't come from a mustache. I'm glad too because I struggle. Authority doesn't come from a mustache. They used to teach us in Bible college, well, wear a dark suit when you preach because that gives you more authority. Authority. They used to say things like, uh, be careful of certain things because you want to have the authority. Authority comes from God. It is endued power. Jesus Christ had authority. The Bible says there was nothing about his appearance that would draw us to him. People were drawn to Jesus Christ because he came from God. And he had authority. Now here's our conclusion this morning. If the teachings of Jesus Christ have the authority of God at their root then we must believe them. We must obey. Listen, that is not a popular message in this day and age. Nobody likes to be told what to do. Nobody likes, but again, it's a guardrail. It's there for your benefit. It is there for your protection. When we think about sin, Jesus said, go and sin no more. The Bible says, be holy as Christ is holy. When we think about salvation, the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. When we think about our service for God, the Bible says, go ye into all the world. You may not like it. We are to go. Years ago, there was a fellow, many of you would know his name, by the name of Oswald J. Smith. Oswald J. Smith was born here in Otterville, Ontario. Not far from here. God saved his soul when he was about 19 years of age and right away he believed he must preach the gospel. He had a love for missions and wanted to go around the world and preach the gospel, but no missions agency would take him. He was about 135 pounds soaking wet and they thought that he had ill health. He lived to 97 years old. And so he thought, well, if I cannot go, I will send another in my place. He had been serving as the pastor of the church in Los Angeles, a congregation that after he came grew to 2,200 in just seven months. And He announced to his church that he would stay for the remainder of the year, but he was burdened to go back to Toronto. They said, we will build a 3,000-seat auditorium if you stay, and we know that we will fill it by year's end. He said, no, I must go to Toronto. And He came to Toronto and he began the great people's church. And by the time he retired in 1959, now think about this, in 1959, they had a missionary budget of $780,000 a year. In 1959, 350 missionaries were sent worldwide to 42 different countries. That's incredible. God used him to touch the world. You say, how's that happen? Because somebody believed, and here's what he said, I believe this to be the word of God. And if it is the authority that we are to stand upon, we must get it to the entire world. That was his motto. We must get it to the entire world. A few years ago, the Pembina Valley Baptist Church, Pastor Sullivan, their their church family decided they were going to buy nice Bibles, nice leather Bibles, not cheapy Bibles, and put the name of every member of parliament in Canada on a Bible. So, how three hundred, whatever there are, and two of those men, they came to Ottawa. They traveled to Ottawa with all these Bibles in the back of a van, and they went to every office of every MP, and they presented them with a Bible and some information about how to be saved. And if they could talk to them, they did. And one man took that Bible and he thanked them. He said, "Boy, that's a beautiful Bible. Thank you. And you've got my name on it." And he set it on his desk. And they said he sunk into his chair and leaned backwards. He says, do you fellows believe that that's the word of God? They said, yes, sir, we do. They said, then why don't we obey it? Why don't we obey it? That's what it's come down to. It's not about whether or not we hear the word of God. It's whether we're going to be doers of the word of God. It has authority. It is God's word. We must obey it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you loved us so much that not only did you send us your Son, but you sent us to the inspired Word of God to guide us, to help us, to comfort us, to teach us. May we be not only hearers of the Word, but doers as well. Lord, may we understand that when we find a passage of Scripture that we find difficult to follow, that it's us that must change, not the Word of God that we must just simply be obedient. And Father, we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. We're thankful that you're here. And if God has spoke to your heart, maybe you'd like to step out and use this old-fashioned altar. Would you pray for our country this morning that the word of God would not return void, but it would accomplish a purpose in the lives and hearts of our people. We are working right now to get some more John and Romans for our church, for our NETS program, that God would take those portions of Scripture and put them out in our community in Norfolk County and reach people, but they have to decide, this is the Word of God and I'm going to obey it. I'm going to listen. Maybe there's one here today say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. And like Nicodemus, I, I recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He's come with power and authority and he came to seek and to save that which is lost but I, I need to realize that for myself I need to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ today before it's eternally too late we'd like to have somebody take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life would you just slip up your hand I won't embarrass you I'm not going to call you out maybe let me ask it this way if you were to die today are you prepared do you know Jesus Christ as your savior or you on your way to heaven? It's not about works. It's not about religion. It's not about being a good person. It's about trusting Jesus Christ and Him alone. If you say, Preacher, I'm not sure if I were to die today that I'd know exactly where I'd go. I don't know about heaven or hell. I just don't know. Would you slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you, I won't call you out. I just want to pray for you today. Would you just slip up your hand, Mr. One? Baker baker's going to sing one verse just one verse this is your verse you step out and come if god has spoke to your heart if you need to be saved would you come